Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. You today are in the house of faith right now. And I don't know if you knew that or not, but I want you to get ready right now to hear from the Word of God, but I want you to hear it in the spirit of faith. I want you to hear it with ears tuned to hear the voice of your good shepherd, Jesus. I want you to, to watch today with eyes open, ready to see him. Let's pray together and we'll get right into the word. Father, we are so thankful to you today. We worship and adore you and praise you for every good thing that you are, that you've done, that you've done in our lives, that you're doing in this ministry, that you're doing in the lives of people watching all over the world. We come before your word today, Father, with open eyes, open ears, and an open heart. Eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear his voice, and hearts that understand who we are in him, who he is in us. We thank you for it. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to get your Bible today. If you can, if you're where you can get into the Word with us, do it. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to follow along on the screen, but set your eyes somehow, some way on the Word of God today. It's the most important thing you'll do with your life today is get His Word going in you. And specifically today, we're going to continue looking at the words of Jesus from John chapter 15. And we began a new study last week on the broadcast, and we're really just talking about intimacy with the Father. We're talking about abiding in Jesus and letting his words abide in us. But when we read that word abide, I want your heart and your mind to think intimacy. I want you to think about this intimate connection, maintaining this intimate living communion with Jesus and with his word. And we're going to see, according to Jesus, what that intimacy can produce in our lives. Let's look again at, again at John chapter 15. And we're going to read several verses here again. And like I said, if you've got a Bible, follow along. If not, you can read along on the screen. John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why, Jesus? That it may bear more fruit. We've been over this, but this is what Jesus is after, is fruit and more fruit. He wants this kind of thing coming out of our lives. And we established last week that the, the reason is because fruit is proof. The way apples hanging off a branch is proof that that's an apple tree. Love hanging off the branch in your life is proof that the Spirit of God is alive in you. Peace and joy, all of the fruit of the Spirit, all of it is just proof that God is alive and well in you, that you're filled with his spirit and that you are allowing his spirit to work in you and through you. And we're gonna see over these several verses how important fruit is to Jesus because it's proof, it's evidence. He's saying, I want people to know that you belong to me, that I belong to you and that I'm active in your life. And the only, one, the only way they're gonna know that is if there's evidence of it. And we do, like we said before, we live in a prove it to me society. Prove to me there's a God. Prove to me his existence and I'll believe. Well, if they're looking for proof, my friend, let them look no further than you and I. Let them look at our lives. Let them look at the love in us coming out of us as proof that there's a God. Let them look at the joy coming out of us when everyone around us is panicked and pressured and losing it. Let them look at the peace in our lives as proof of the existence of God. All of these things, fruit of the Spirit, it's all just proof. It's all just evidence. Number one, that there's a God. And number two, that he's at work in the lives of anyone who will trust him and take him at his word. 
Now, like we said last week, and I want to say it again now, there's two major kinds of fruit that I think Jesus is insistent on you and I bearing. Number one, there's the fruit of what he does in you that's for you. You know, there are things that God will do just in you that are just for you, just because he loves you. I mean, there is so much that he wants to do for you. The healing of your body, the prospering of your family, the success of your life in everything you set your hand to do, prospering in that. He wants to do that in you. And all of it is just proof. It's just fruit and evidence that he loves you. He wants you bearing that major fruit. But there's another one, not just what he'll do in you that's for you, but also what he'll do through you that's for somebody else. There is great power available to the believer who will live with the revelation of how much God loves somebody else and let that power and love flow through them to that person. That's fruit. I mean, just think about what kind of evidence that is to that person when you let the love of God flow through you. So we're talking about this intimacy with our father, intimacy with Jesus, like a vine that's been intimately connected to the, uh, the branch that's been intimately connected to the vine. And the result is the fruit that it bears. Let's go on and read what Jesus said in verse four, abide in me. There's the key to bearing fruit. Abide in me and I and you as the branch can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you, neither can you what? Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me, Jesus said. And I have written here in my Bible, just as a little note and a reminder, this is why Christians fail to receive from God. This is why we fail to receive sometimes and we walk around confused. Why aren't our prayers being answered? You've got to come back and answer this question. Am I abiding? Or am I just a branch out there on my own trying to bear fruit? And you've never seen a branch trying hard to bear fruit disconnected from the vine. It's just not going to work. And and at the same time, you can't duct tape an orange to a stick and call it an orange tree. It just doesn't work like that. Because for that to be an orange tree, it's got to come as the result of the life that's in it, working through it, coming to the outside. And it's never going to happen unless it abides in the vine. And the fruit that you and I desire in our lives is never going to come. It's never going to be born unless we abide in Jesus. Without me, you can do nothing. He said in verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire, into the fire and they're burned. But he said, notice this in verse seven, if you will abide in me, if you'll just stay, If you'll just stay in me, remain in me, stay intimately connected like a branch to the vine and just maintain that living communion, the Weist says, the Weist translation. He says, if you just abide in me and my words maintain this living communion in you, you'll ask what you desire and it will be done for you. And by this, he said, my father's glorified that you bear much fruit. He went on to say My father loved me. I love you. Abide, stay in that love. And we spoke last week about the fact that if Jesus is this 
this sincere and this emphatic about you and I bearing fruit in our lives and not just bearing fruit, but you and I abiding in him, maintaining that living communion with him, you gotta know that your enemy, Satan, is just as serious about you separating from God. Whatever he can do in your life to bring separation between you and whatever's bringing you life, that's what he wants to do. Satan I'm gonna say this to you and I want you to hear it. Satan is the number one enemy of intimacy. Satan is the enemy of intimacy. Because if Jesus knows what intimacy with him can produce in your life, you better believe that your enemy knows what disconnecting you from Jesus will produce in your life. He knows that if somehow he can get between you and the flow of life coming to you through the word of God, the flow of life coming to you through the preached word, flow of life coming to you from times in the presence of God, his whole thing is if he can just get in between you and what's bringing you life, then he can cut off all the fruit. And if he's cut off the fruit, he's cut off the evidence. No evidence, no proof you are no longer proof to the world around you that there's a God. So can you see why he'd be so after this? He'd be so, I mean, you go back to day one in the garden. That was his whole plan was to get between God and his man to create distance between them. And I'm gonna tell you something, it worked. When man chose to trust the enemy of his intimacy greater than he trusted God, space got between them and even literal physical space, God had to put them out of the garden. They were close, he had to put them out. But thank God for Jesus. Because from the time man fell away, this is important for today, from the time man fell away to the time Jesus came, the whole plan of redemption was about putting to death the distance that was between us. That's what Jesus' sacrifice did. He closed that gap like a branch that has somehow miraculously been reattached to the vine. That's what Jesus did for us. He came and he preached peace to those of us who were far off and to those who were near, and he brought us to him. He, he tore down the middle wall of separation that was between us. Praise God. Now, everything Jesus said in John 15 sort of culminated to a point in John 16. In verse one, he said, these things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. I like the King James version that says that you should not be offended, offended. If you look up the word offended, I think you have probably a frame of reference for what it means. You know what happens when you're offended at somebody or someone's offended at you. But just, just think about that word for a moment and let it create the same picture that we're talking about here. The word offended literally means a falling away. Isn't that interesting that we talk about what happened in the garden as the fall of man? Where, where did he fall from? What did he fall to? It was this falling away. And it was that fall that created distance between God and man. There was offense between us. 
And Jesus said he spoke these words to us about abiding in him so that we wouldn't be made to stumble or we wouldn't be offended or we wouldn't let there be any kind of falling away or a falling out. Isn't that interesting? I'm so fascinated by these words and words that we use so commonly in our language, but where they come from. I mean, you think about two people who are very close to each other, husband, wife, best friends, two people who are so close, but yet something happens and an offense occurs. And if they're not watchful, if they let that offense, it could be something small, could be something just so tiny that just slithers right between them and creates even just a little bit of space. If they magnify that offense and allow that thing to take root and to grow, that offense, which is an enemy of the intimacy, the intimacy in the the marriage relationship, the intimacy in the friendship, there's an intimacy there because God has put that person in their life as a flow of life to them and through them and to each other, for each other. And Satan knows if I can get in between them and that space can grow, I can cut off that life flow. And where there's no more abiding, there's no more fruit. Where there's no more intimacy, there's no more fruit or proof of God in that relationship. And Jesus said, look, I'm saying this to you as a warning, don't be offended. I'm talking to you right now about enemies of intimacy. Because if Jesus is calling us into this intimacy place with him, you know that there's an enemy, his enemy, our enemy, and it's an enemy to that intimacy. And the reason Satan is that enemy is to cut off this fruit, to cut off this flow. I want us to live with an awareness that there are enemies to our intimacy. And offense is a major enemy to intimacy. You know, I have to guard this. I have to guard this in my life. I have to guard this in my marriage with Sarah. We must guard it in in our ministry, among our staff and among our friends. And the Lord gave me this statement not long ago when I was preaching in a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we're gonna really use this as as a, a place to launch off into for the next several broadcasts, but I want to just introduce this statement to you now and let you start thinking about it. And the Lord just basically said it to me like this. He said, you know, you cannot, a person cannot abide in God while they disconnect from what is of God. And I know you're going to have to think about that for a minute, but listen to me say it again. You can't abide in him while you disconnect from what is of him. You're fooling yourself if you think you can abide in him while you let space and distance grow between you and what is of him. Let me, let me tell you a story, and I think some of this will begin to make more sense to you. Back in December of 2015, it was, I think it was probably early December, still kind of in the Christmas season, getting ready for things going on at Christmas. And Sarah and I were in Dallas, about an hour away from the house, just shopping and getting stuff together. And we left the kids, Justice and Jesse, here at the house with her mom and dad. Well, Sarah's mom calls us while we were out. And she said, Jesse's not feeling very good. I said, well, okay, we'll be home in an hour. We'll take care of her when we get there. But between the time she called us and the time we got home, little Jesse, her little condition, whatever it was, had so deteriorated that she couldn't speak. 
She was having a hard time breathing. She was very lethargic, which was way out of the ordinary for her. Normally this ball of fire and energy blowing through this house. She was just very lethargic and, and couldn't speak, hard time breathing. And we, we put her in bed. We put her in bed with us. And I, I started doing immediately what I was brought up to do, everything I've known to do, which was to take the word of God and to begin to confess it, begin to speak it. And I laid my hands on her all through that night and just spoke the word of God to her. But the thing that was startling to me was not just the fact that my little girl was having a hard time breathing, not just the fact that she would wake herself up unable to breathe. As startling as that is, what was more startling and more alarming to me was the total lack of power that I could sense in my words. And that startled me. Now, now, Praise God, Jesse made it through the night. We got her to the doctor the next day and she was fine. They, they diagnosed it, gave her a little something and really she just started right then and there getting better and God was merciful, totally saved her. Everything was fine. But what wasn't fine was this lack of power that I felt coming out of me and I had to go before the Lord. Say, Father, what is going on? Because I don't have time. When my little girl can't breathe, I don't have time for powerless prayers. When my family is in potentially a life or death moment. There's no time for powerless prayers in my life. And you don't have that kind of time either. The Lord began to show me what had taken place. And he had to back me up to months before that when we were in a real heavy travel season around here in the ministry. And we were building actually this place right now. We've been building it. And you know, if you've ever built anything, it's very time consuming, very very effort and energy consuming. And, and we were tired and couple that with traveling and running the ministry and you got two little kids. And I remember several months before that in the evenings, just feeling so tired and so worn out that all I wanted to do was check out. You know what I mean by that? You get the kids to bed and it takes all of about six minutes for me to find myself in bed with the covers pulled up and out of habit, night after night after night, I kept reaching over there and grabbing my iPad and putting my headphones on and just Netflix and chill, as they say. I mean, I just wanted to watch something that was brainless, mindless, and mind-numbing. Just wanted to check out, just tired. But there was something happening. Every time I'd reach for that iPad, sitting there on my nightstand, my Bible would be sitting there next to it. And I would just sense that gentle tug from the Holy Spirit to say, just, just get into the Word, Jeremy. And I would hear these words on the inside. Jeremy, press into me press into me. But I had a decision to make right then and there. And it was like iPad or Bible, iPad or Bible, iPad or Bible. And this split second decision making was, look, if I reach for the Bible, then I'm going to be preparing a message. And if I'm preparing a message, then I'm working and I don't feel like working. And that's a bad place to be as a minister in your relationship with God. But night after night, I chose to reach for that iPad and just check out, check out. And, and the Lord even did things in my life. I remember having a conversation with my grandfather right around that time. We weren't talking about any of these things, but here's a man, 50 years almost in ministry at that point. Now he is more than that. And the Lord was dealing with him right along those same lines. Turn the television off, get back into the word. And he's saying this to me and I'm sitting there going, mm-hmm, yeah, that's good, that's good. And I left that conversation that day thinking, I have got to turn the TV off, get into the word. And I did. And I deleted all those TV movie watching apps from my iPad and they were gone. 
for like three days. And then somehow they were miraculously resurrected after three days. And I just fell back into it, just tired, just wanting to check out. And all the while the Lord's saying, Jeremy, press into me, press into me, press into me. And I didn't. I fell right right back into that bad habit. The thing was, when I sat there with that iPad and those headphones on, I'm not fellowshipping, not with Sarah, not with my family, not with the Lord, just there, solitary, alone, just checked out. And it's like the Lord knew what was coming and he knew that that was headed towards a moment where I would need to have some power in my prayer. And all along the way, I just just kept just later, later, later. And the interesting thing was in the time that I had been spending in the word, maybe earlier in the day, the Lord had me right here in John 15. And I was reading all about abiding, all about bearing fruit, but I wasn't making that connection. So that day, finally, when we drove away from the doctor's office and Jesse was doing better and she was going to be fine, she was fine, but I wasn't. And I'm saying, Lord, you got to help me. Why was there no power in my prayer? And he just very sweetly, very mercifully said to me, Jeremy, you're trying to bear fruit without abiding and it's not going to work. You know, me being able to lay hands on my daughter and speak the word of God over her and watch it happen, that's fruit. That's evidence. That's proof that God is involved in our lives. But I can't bear that kind of fruit without abiding. And that's what he said to me, Jeremy, you're trying to bear fruit without abiding. And so now, even two years later, I'm recognizing that that temptation to just check out. You know what that is? That's an enemy to intimacy. And finally, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jeremy, let me ask you a question. What's the difference between you checking out with your iPad for a couple hours because your day's been rough? What's the difference between that and some guy who goes to the bar for a couple hours every night because his day's been rough? He just gets a little drunk every night because the day's been rough. Why does he do that? Just to check out. And the Lord said, what's the difference between him getting drunk and you getting drunk on Netflix for a couple hours every night? Well, that woke me up. Absolutely woke me up. And we made a change in this family. And we decided we are going to reconnect. We are going to abide in the word like we haven't in a long time time. And we shut the television off for a while and we got the word going again. We, you could hear word being preached in the kitchen, word being preached in the bedrooms. And we were in it. We were in it to win it, man. I mean, just to get the word going in our lives again, because we recognize we can't afford to be fruitless in our lives. I want you to, in the last few seconds I have here, I want you to let the Holy Spirit help you identify where have I checked out? Am I checking out with just fleshy stuff, television? Am I just checking out with things that aren't a flow and a supply of life to me and my family? You recognize those things because they are an enemy to your intimacy with the Father. And Jesus is calling you back right now into this intimate place with him. Why? Because he wants to answer those prayers. He wants you to bear that kind of fruit. He wants you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He wants you to prosper in every area of your life, your family, your business, your ministry. But the connection, the life comes out of this intimate connection with him. Stand guard against the enemies of intimacy. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television Broadcast, the Legacy Letter Magazine, and so much more. You can also visit PearsonsMinistries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. 